Hello, welcome back to another episode of the F1 series in Stripping the Dipping. And today, as usual, I will be joined by my co-host Denzel Clarkson. And we have a guest speaker to help us with the conversation today as well. The first race weekend just ended up with a huge roasting topsy-turvy plot twist. And boy oh boy, that race was definitely something worth re-watching. So, as I mentioned, we have a guest today and he's very famous in F1 Twitter. Everyone knows him as Jay and also knows him for the Twitter account Winger Spice. Just to give a small insight, today we will be talking about Haas competing for the Constructors' Championship, placing third after yesterday. Can you imagine that? Haas! <laughs> While Kevin Magnuson placing fifth. Huge congratulations are in order for them. Ferrari, obviously, they placed the first and second podiums while Red Bull neither the team nor the drivers earning any points at all due to the DNF and Mercedes with all the issues in the world they had with the cars plays third and fourth and Lewis as usual making history with his 183 podium also we will be touching the areas of the FIA human era championship and the qualifying sessions so stay tuned So here we are with Denzel and Jay, the winger spies in the house, people. Give us a big, big, big applause. <laughs> hey. How are you guys doing after yesterday? How are you guys doing, actually? Well, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Denzel, how, how's your situation right there? Yeah, pleasantly surprised. I'm going to echo Jay's sentiments. What a banger for the first race of the season with these new cars. And yeah, so many talking points. You know, a, a rookie scoring points on the debut race. The reigning world champion, Asterix Star, imploding physically on the track. And his car physically imploding as well. And yeah, lots of scraps in the midfield and unexpected results and the return of Special K, the Danish Viking, securing P5 for Haas as well. So lots of good news, good stories there as well. Since you mentioned it, shall we start with that? Haas, what do you, what do you guys think about Haas? I mean, they are competing for the Constructors' Championship on the third place while Red Bull has zero points. Well, where to begin with Haas? Um, I mean, they've obviously had a rough time of it. What with the, uh, they can never seem to get a good sponsor. They're always uh, there's always some issue. Um, they've they've had Nikita leave, um, and the I think I think they kind of deserve it though. They they kind of they said they were going to concentrate on the 2022 um, regs and the car. They were going to go. They were going to go with that. We're going to write off 2021. So they they deserve it. I think they've got they've got fortunate with with the Ferrari power unit, which seems to be very effective. You can see all the Ferrari powered cars are doing better than certainly better than the Mercedes powered cars. So yeah, well, except for the works team, obviously. But um, but yeah, there's a trend there. It seems that power unit seems to be working better off the bat and giving the teams with let's say less aerodynamic. Um, uh, cars that it's giving them an extra push so yeah i mean you, you can't not feel good for them really i mean with um you know kevin back and um 
yeah, everyone everyone wants to see Mick do well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just really happy for them. That's, that's my view. I, I think everyone loved it. Uh, everyone loved uh, seeing Kevin Magnusson there and Haas on the third place. Everyone loved it. I don't think there's any single person who are hating that fact. What do you think, Denzel? Yeah, I definitely agree with everything everyone said so far. It's amazing to see Haas have such an awesome comeback. You know, for many years, they'd been through a lot of hardships, as uh, Jay had touched on earlier. And huge statement of intent for them, because they could have just been another meme team at the back of the, the grid, you know, just doing mileage and not really being ambitious. But for them to not only do so well in qualifying and then for them to echo that in the race, I think it's absolutely sensational. Hopefully it's going to boost the confidence in the team as well. I'm really, you know, crossing my fingers that this isn't just a one-off and they can sustain this level of development and performance as the season goes by. But you have to be extremely happy for them, especially K-Mag too. He's not had any development or input with this current Haskar. He's just come in and tried to fit in as part of the furniture and put in a really professional drive. So highly commendable, great performance from them. At least for the sake of Gunther's smile. <laughs> yes, Uncle Gunther would be smiling until the cows come home. You know, and I'm you know what he said yesterday in the interview? When the, uh, when the, when the journalist was saying, um, since you guys are on top six, and then he corrected it. Uh, I'm sorry, but we are not top six, we are top five. I need to correct that. You need to mention <laughs> that we are top five. <laughs> that were crazy. <laughs> um, so, okay, coming back to the cars, um, even during the qualifying, um, even uh, Kevin Magnuson's car, they had a hydraulic issue, if I'm not wrong. And all these cars are actually still having issues. And this is the first time they had a huge long run because even during practices, uh, practice sessions, or during the qualifying sessions, uh, most of the cars didn't show any issues in this manner, especially Red Bull. They were super fast and they didn't have any issues like these during those days, uh, during those sessions. But yesterday, DNF. So what are your takes on that, Jake? And Denzel, for both of you. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You'd think that it would be something they would pick up on at some point during their long run simulations i know it's not exactly the same but yeah um it's it's difficult it's really difficult because at the moment red bull seems to be trying to hide behind this standardized part this fuel pump um that, that all the teams have been given from the the same manufacturer but as more and more of the um I'd say the more experienced technically minded journalists are looking into up and it seems to be more down to the way that the cars are, are well their their engines the way their engines are either storing or using the, the fuel or something i don't know we, we still don't know but um some some people have even kind of some people have even discussed that perhaps it's the safety car made the the engines and the the fuel overheat um, so that that actually brought around the uh, the problem. So yeah, we don't know. We have to just we have to at this point as we speak. We have to we have to listen. We have to see what other uh, reasons other people come up with, or, or whether or not Red Bull are going to be honest. But um, exactly, yeah. I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you: Do you think they're going to be honest and uh, letting the people know what exactly went wrong? I mean, someone tweeted earlier. Um, Checo Perez's tweets where he said 
kind of, oh, I'm fortunate to have an engine failure. And then he deleted that one. And he then said, oh, I'm fortunate to have a, a fuel and a fuel problem. And it's just like, okay, all right. So it seems like they're trying to get on the same page because Helmut Marco also um, blamed the standardized um, sort of the fuel pump. Uh, Christian Horner was a bit more, we don't really know. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I think at the moment they don't really know. And I, I think they're, they're maybe trying to hide it. We we heard uh, Max's engineer being very coy about the problem. And Max was there, wasn't he, saying, um, what do you want me to do? And it's, it's kind of like he was the engineer wasn't giving him anything. He wasn't saying anything because either he didn't know or he didn't want to say where the problem was. So, yeah, at the moment it seems like they're happy for people to kind of write the situation off as being a fuel pump issue but at the same time I don't think it's that and I don't think they even really know yet Denzel? Yeah um, I was just going to supplement Jay's points there as well because as he correctly mentioned there is a standardised fuel pump system that all the teams have, every single team Um, however with this new E10 fuel people have underlooked like how much of an impact that's had on the engines and how they burn fuel because it's a lot more combustive because it's diluted with a 10% uh, ethanol content that's made from various sustainable um, materials and essentially as Jay touched on there the fuel reacts differently in different conditions so the car's idling under a safety car you would think oh well the engine's not like burning a lot of gas because it's much more slower speed it's just chilling out but actually because the car is not getting the air it would be getting if it's going full speed it's causing the fuel to like combust a lot more erratically than the teams expected and another point or factor i'd like to add to this as well is the race um you know a formula one journalist um group ed straw has come out and said that red bull didn't actually do any full sim um tests at Bahrain last week and they didn't do a uh, basically a low fuel run either so this is perhaps maybe the reason why they were very surprised and almost taken back by the um the kind of erratic behavior of the engine or the fuel system towards the end because they had never simulated that in their tests which you think big team like them they would go and do their due diligence and make something like that possible so a lot of point pointing fingers are going to be happening at Red Bull, unfortunately for them. But uh, yeah, you know, if you don't do your homework, then sometimes it shows in the, in the results. And for me personally, I was enjoying to see Max self-implode on the radio as he didn't have the answers. <laughs> the team didn't have the answers. And it was just a back and forth squabble between the two of them as to what was going on. And we also haven't mentioned, I think, that uh, Max's steering also was damaged. They're alluding to the fact that when they tried to go for the aggressive uh, third stop, that when they jacked the car up onto um, the jacking system and then dropped it, one of the track rods was slightly bent or tweaked, which is the reason why steering as well was going wrong. So yeah, everything was just going wrong for Red Bull. You know, in the UK, we have a, a series called Free Out of Four Cats, but I think they need to rename it to Free Out of Four Red Bulls because three out of four of them had a disaster yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, what do you guys think about the car issues that Mercedes is currently facing? I mean, uh, they've covered up a lot um, um, with the issues they used to have, but still they're suffering. And even Louise said that it's a fundamental issue that they'll be taking a lot more time than they're normally taking. And they need to go back and uh, do a lot of work. 
and even though they won the podium yesterday and the fourth place still they are a bit off pace right i i mean they're still off pace so um yeah, what would yeah so what would you expect uh for them on the coming week because jeda is actually not an easy track at all it's it's like well that's actually my favorite track for now because it's very it's more like impossible so all the drivers are having a lot of issues and we saw that last season so what do you think mercedes will be facing with a car with all these issues if they're not coming up with a fixing issue well um georgie i'll step in ahead of jay on this one um lewis did an interview with sky sports yesterday like a post-race paddock interview and essentially saying what mercedes will be focused on on in the next couple of weeks is essentially their top speed because as jay pointed out it seems that not only just mercedes but the mercedes powered teams so that's aston martin mclaren and williams they're really struggling in the high speed um you know straights so that's one thing that they want to focus on and could be related maybe to the E10 fuel, which is changing how the engine behaves. They've also said that they're suffering from a lot of tire degradation, which is funny because I've followed Mercedes since the Schumacher days. And even yesterday when we were watching Lewis come out of the pits on a hard tire, you can see him struggling like Bambi on ice to put the traction down, unfortunately. So that's maybe something they'll want to focus on. And also, Lewis did also know that the car was suffering from a lack of rear downforce, which, again, I think uh, we've got Bryson coming on in, in, in the imminent future. We've been talking about how the Mercedes is one of the cars that porpoises a lot more noticeably than the others. And of course, you could either get rid of that by stiffening the suspension or raising the ride height. But then when you raise the rear ride height of the car, you're essentially compromising downforce and the rear stability of the car as well, which makes it harder to drive so these are all things that mercedes will have to definitely work very hard to fix and unfortunately it might not be something which could just be done by a click of the fingers or a click of your heels it's maybe a big upgrade package that they'll probably bring in the mid part of this season and for now they'll just be using whatever data they can to correlate that back in the simulator and the wind tunnel andre yeah i i i I'm not 100% convinced they even fully understand their problems. They don't, um, they seem, it seems like they've uh, kind of fundamentally mis misjudged uh, what was going to happen with the uh, approach they've taken, uh, specifically yeah. no no side pods. It, it, it seems like they've, I think I, I remember reading that they, in the simulator runs, they were getting better performance from removing the side pods completely but all that seems to have done is introduce drag and then means they also have to take these measures that were uh, just mentioned like with the ride height and, and having a bigger rear wing which is also increasing the drag and so they've they've just lost this straight line speed throughout kind of practice i thought they were just i thought they were sandbagging i thought they had the engine i thought that any deficit would be made up when they put the engine up but then the engine it had been turned down they did turn it up but then so did everyone else and it didn't really give them any any massive straight line advantage they just they just had a lot of drag and um yeah apparently the no the no side pod approach you, you just have the wheels exposed that's a big i think aerodynamically that's a big kind of flat um object that's that's just causing a lot of drag so they need something to channel the air around that that's that's my 
limited understanding anyway but i'm i'm not sure how they can do that they they know, they know that setup changes alone can't uh remedy the problem so i think they're going to have to come back with with restructured uh, bodywork to some degree whether that's putting the side pods back on it or or something else to move the airflow around those rear tires control the the front tire wake but <laughs> Who knows? They, they've got a lot of work to do, and I and I don't know um, if they even amidst all of that the drag issue. I, I don't even know if they they properly understand the porpoising either. So I think it's going to take them a while. <laughs> so hopefully Red Bull can just break down every race, and then that would um, <laughs> give much of time. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about the Ferrari? I mean. They performed well during the practice sessions, even during the qualifying and also during the race. And they are going to keep on maintaining all that on the coming weeks ahead as well. So, um, uh, but even though that, uh, they do say that they're having smaller issues, but I don't think uh, it's a humongous issue like the Mercedes or the Red Bulls are facing. So what's your take on that? Well, I'll go first and say it's beautiful to have the return of the Scuderia sauce, the prancing horse back at the top because Ferrari obviously have quite a legacy in Formula One and for them to have struggled in the last couple of years, a lot of neutral fans would have felt way about that. But again, they... Everyone's a Ferrari fan, I think. Yeah, I think deep down inside, everybody has that kind of allegiance to them and stories that they've had as well. But yeah, throughout testing, they seem to be quite solid. But again, nobody wanted to kind of, I guess, bet uh, put their hedges or bets on them too much. And then even in qualifying, you know, Charles drove a perfect qualifying, put it on pole. And even during the race, he was uh, defending from a hard charge in Max Verstappen. And out of the two, I think Charles really showed how masterful his racecraft is, how intelligent of a driver he is That's as well. Great. Because, you know, um, Max was trying to dive bomb him into the first corner, and Leclerc uh, revealed at the end of the race that he was deliberately braking before the DRS detection point, so he could then get the slipstream in the DRS to re-overtake Max going into turn three, which I thought was brilliant really intelligent iq racing from him to have that in mind have the bravery as well to run side by side with max because we know that that doesn't work out so well for many people so amazing from him to you know propel the team forward like that science as well following quite closely too you could hear in science's voice that he's a bit disappointed because he might have thought based on last year when he uh, outscored um leclerc that he'd be closer Again. But do you think that they will be having an issue? I mean, uh, the teammates issue, if this goes on one and two, one and two, one and two like that, do you think they will be having a partnership issue within themselves? Inevitably, Georgina, because ultimately we don't know how long Ferrari will have this advantage over the rest of the pack. And when yeah. you're in a championship fight and you've never had a championship before, you know, Leclerc's won races, but he's not been, been a champion yet. Science hasn't even won a race yet in his career, although he's yeah. achieved a lot of accolades. So if it was supposed to be just them at the top, I feel that maybe you could have a similar thing like Nico Rosberg versus Lewis or um you know maybe an inter-team battle as well we'll just have to see how things pan out but ultimately if they're going to be sensible i think that they just need to continue to work with each other to try and pull each other along and try and continue to develop the car rather than being complacent and you know get into the inter-team uh politics which you know would only maybe set them back and jay yeah i agree it's a it's a fine line at the moment 
I think science, rather than worrying about any in, in like friction within the team, he's more worried about. Ah, uh, well, I'm in that, I'm in that kind of second driver um, on merit on pace position. Yeah, like I'm the, I'm the Bottas, not the Lewis. You know, not the Lewis Hamilton. I'm the Valtteri Bottas kind of. And I don't mean that necessarily disrespectfully. It's just we see this pattern where uh, yeah. one driver will just have and then the race distance that really shows itself and shows itself between Max and Checo, Lewis and, and Valtteri. I haven't really seen Lewis and George yet, but if if this continues, then yes, I think Carlos's is, is problem is, is just the fact that he's kind of going to be relegated to this number two position just on the fact that he doesn't have the pace uh, to, to challenge Max and then he's just fighting with Perez over, uh, over third place. Um, yeah, but I think um, yeah. Continue, continue, Jay. I think I think Charles has done brilliantly. I think he, as was touched on, he raced very well in a in a calm, uh, like measured and, and intelligent way that you wouldn't necessarily have expected. Where he's just been thrust to the front of the grid, you'd think that perhaps he'd be feeling more pressure and he'd he'd drive more like Max does, where it's just like go for it and not don't think too much about it. Um, but he outthought him. He outthought him, and he outraced him. We could all see it, and it was it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And it and as has been mentioned, it's great to see Ferrari back up there um, because that's where they they should be. That's where everybody wants them to be. So yeah, long may it continue. But it's actually bad news for McLaren because neither of the uh, cars were performing well yesterday or the qualifying. Absolutely, McLaren. Um, yeah, they've gone from being looking at Ferrari as their closest competitors and uh, who they're fighting with on the on a, on a championship level, and, and now they're just nowhere near them. They're not even they're not even the same. I don't even. I think McLaren don't have a rival at the moment. They're just fighting themselves. They just it's. I think I saw a meme yesterday. Orange is the new Haas. It's cruel, but um, <laughs> apt. Um, but do you think that these cars are actually struggling? I mean, uh, they're not supposed to be struggling in this manner because even Mac- McLaren is not Haas or Alfa Romeo. I'm not condemning any teams, but still, you know, McLaren has a lot of good drivers, uh, great drivers actually, even championships, and um, that's uh, they are they were they were on the top level, and suddenly they are having a lot of issues, and they are not even performing well, and. Looking at the name McLaren, I don't think they are supposed to be in this manner. Uh, I, I don't know what's wrong they've done, but I mean, for a team like that, they're not supposed to be having these issues. Um, these are like the beginners' issues, some sort of a way. I think McLaren have been underperforming for years. To be honest, I don't think they adapt very well to things. I don't think they they move quickly. I don't think they. Um, have just the same level of expertise as, as the other teams. I don't think they have for a while. They were struggling. Obviously, they were unlucky when Honda first came back and the engine wasn't there. And they were coming out with all this stuff about like, oh, well, if the engine was better, aerodynamically, our car is brilliant. And we would. And then they got, uh, I think they went to Renault and it's and it's like, nope, you're still, you're still not really there. And I think towards the end of the previous sort of car era, if, if you want to describe it that way, McLaren were kind of they were kind of getting there and they have talented drivers and they've got 
they had what was the most powerful engine in the Mercedes engine. But yet now regs have changed and everything and they don't have the engine to just get them through. Like they obviously need to do hard work around that engine in the way that Mercedes works team have to even just be sort of third quickest car. And yeah, I think we're sort of seeing a similar thing with Aston Martin too. It's like they can't rely on the engine. Their, their aerodynamics are exposed and they just haven't really adapted very well. Um, and you can understand that more with Aston Martin, I think, because they're a newer team. Classic McLaren underperforming, not just not making a good car. And I, I yeah, I, I, I think this has been a problem for them for a while. I think for McLaren, what happened was, um, in a simple way, when the mo- when the movie started making sense to them, the movie ended and another new movie started. <laughs> what do you think, Denzel? Yeah, well, I agree with all the points you guys have made. And just to kind of add context to it, too. McLaren are going to be under immense amount of pressure because I don't know if you guys have been watching the Netflix documentary, but last year they had to basically find some new investors to try and keep the team afloat. So that was quite hard for Zach Brown. And then also one of their biggest investors or part-shared owners of the company are from Bahrain. They're Bahraini owners that own stakes in McLaren. So for them to perform so poorly in their second race, it's going to put them under immense amount of pressure but where i'm going to give mclaren some bail and i I won't be so quick to kind of um be so critical of them is that maybe it's a very track specific thing with the car because in barcelona which you know is its own circuit the car was a bit more competitive there a bit more reliable didn't didn't have the same issues we're having in bahrain with the um the brake ducks and so forth we also have to bear in mind that Ricardo's just returned from COVID and we've seen how that also affects drivers because Lewis also mentioned that he was really out of it when he contracted it in 2020 and it's not something he'd wish upon other people. And unless you're a Red Bull driver, it seems most people don't want to drive with COVID. So that also is, um, you know, point to take in. And yeah, just uh, I know that they're going to be really working hard to try and make it better and i wouldn't write them off so early but of course it's concerning for them because you wouldn't expect a mclaren to be so low behind and like lando basically almost a lap down halfway into the grand free it's 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 unacceptable by their own standards okay so speaking of covid regulations let's talk about regulations and the new race director and the human era championship and the champion you know the human race champion so <laughs> um first um we saw the chinese driver zhou guan yu his lap got uh, the lap time got deleted but uh checo perez uh his lap time was not deleted if i'm not wrong so there was an issue with that what was that about it was deleted officially, but it just didn't make its way to the uh, information that we could see watching the race, or indeed the commentary team. Um, Martin Brundle on Sky was was saying um, the same thing, that it's not been deleted. Maybe they didn't see it, but actually behind the scenes it had been deleted. And then I think I think Perez did, a, didn't, did another lap anyway, so it didn't end up mattering. But yeah, I think it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe <laughs> technical glitch or... A, human error or maybe human error (laughs) yeah definitely human error (laughs) uh do you guys believe and think uh the new race director will actually follow the rules without uh any human errors uh you know producing human error championships 
Well, it's it, there's it's a tough line because on one side, mistakes are always can be made by people, even people in higher positions like them. You would like to think that obviously with two new race directors and the VAR system that they have now that those mistakes are going to be less frequent and they'll go through like a process of um, you know determination and I think we saw that yesterday because we saw a first lap incident between Ocon and Mick Schumacher in my humble the opinion five second penalty was yeah and in my opinion yeah. I feel that they were a bit harsh on Ocon because whilst he did spin Mick he had half of his car alongside Mick and Mick squeezed him onto the curb and he had nowhere else to go but having said that, like these new stewards, they've made it abundantly clear they don't want to see that crap. They they don't want any like wheel to wheel combat like that or a car being spun on the first lap, even if it is the first lap. So their approach, in some regards, seems to be a lot more strict. Even when maybe last year that sort of incident might have just been looked over, or it, it might not have been looked on so frowningly. So. Definitely, I think you can see a change, but you're right as well, Georgina, in saying still lacking a bit of consistency there, or at least if they could be a bit more transparent with the way they distribute um, corner cutting warnings and off uh, track limit warnings as well, then that would be better for the fans too, because the graphics don't make it abundantly clear either when sometimes time gets deleted or something's happened. What's your take on the um, FIA report, Jay, the Human Era Championship? Yeah, I think the the report was never a product of a, a serious, legitimate uh, investigation. Uh, I think investigations, when they're uh, conducted by third parties, uh, I mean, if we if we look at politics, uh, an inquiry into something generally will just look for the truth. Um, here, I don't think they've really been interested in doing that. I think they've just been taking time to uh, fabricate something in in a way, in a manner that kind of ex- explains away things, um, ignores other things, and just and just says, "Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna do better. We're gonna look at things um, in a different way. We're gonna restructure. We've got these new stewards." And, but I, nothing about it gives me any confidence that they really they really undertook that with the intention to release an honest report because they haven't they haven't looked into it's for a start uh, who kind of rubber stamped Massey's mistake and in doing so they they quoted the rules incorrectly it's I, it, and it comes it comes back in, to what was being said before as well about the um, the, stu- the stewarding and the and the overall kind of goal of, of I think the uh, FIA and the, and the race directors. I don't think a lot's changed. I think they'll be, I think the new race directors will be on their best behavior. I think they want to say all the right things in terms of, with regards to track limits, where they said the white line is the is the track limit. That's the end of it. None of this negotiating where you can go off track and the rest of it. The track is the track, the end. And of course, everyone celebrates that and thinks, yes, this is what we need. But I still, I still don't think really that the overall objective has changed and the overall objective is to um, make sure that the entertainment value is is treated with more importance than the actual sporting integrity. I mean, nothing about the report or anything that I've seen from anyone so far suggests that they even accept that they've been prioritizing entertainment over sport. Um, and they absolutely did. 
and I think they'll continue to do so. Do you think uh, DTS was the issue for the whole uh, sports to go bonkers, or was it a good excuse for them to do whatever the whatever the things, whatever the hell they want? I I think. Yeah, I think I think Drive to Survive, the whole Netflixification of the sport, I think it's a, a wider symptom, if you like, of what's been happening to F1 anyway. I wouldn't blame DTS for anything. I just think that DTS is what happens when you have a, a sport go in the direction that it's going in, which which seems to be to prioritize um, drama and entertainment over sporting integrity. And this is why we have almost all the journalists, pundits using terms like deserved and the rest of it in place of just acknowledging that the actual result wasn't legitimate and wasn't sporting and wasn't fair. I, I just I just think you can't on a professional level, people should playing away illegitimate illegitimacy um, by saying that it was just deserved. Like people shouldn't people in the position that they're in, the professional position just shouldn't be justifying results like that um and whilst that still continues i just think the sport has its priorities wrong denzel what do you think about so um apart with the report do you think um it was fair enough i mean obviously no one is thinking that it's fair enough but still uh what's your take on the report and also then uh, we i want to ask this question from both of you what do you think about Alfa Romeo, given the fact that they've actually they're actually within the ten spots uh, for the drivers and the performance of the Chinese driver as well? Yeah, okay. Thank you for that question, Georgie. I'll start with the first one uh, in relation to whether I thought the report was fair. Clearly not. Hell no. <laughs> To elaborate on that point further, to me, it was just a bunch of waffle. It was so much waffle. I thought I was in a waffle house. Because they didn't address <laughs> anything correctly or anything, they didn't acknowledge like the true, like defect or defect that happened with the the Abu, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I think Jay's been absolutely spot on with the points that he's made, and ultimately, I discern as them just doing a fact finding exercise rather than them actually talking about who's to blame, where does the liability fall, and what they're actually going to do about it in the future. But of course, I think it was to be expected because they don't want, even though the the championship is tainted, although it is corrupted, although the result isn't valid, they know that commercially that is too much of a heavy burden to change or to appease now. So, of course, I feel the way that they were always going to go about this report was to dance around the elephant in the room and just kind of fill it up with loads of garbage that didn't really have any bearing on, on it, you know. And the really important crooks of the the kind of injustice that was committed that you had essentially lapped cars and only the five lapped cars in between Max and Lewis were moved. And then you had other cars, such as like Stroll, for example, that couldn't overtake the safety car. And they completely glossed over the meaning of the definition where any lapped car should mean all lapped cars. And they didn't really explain their their reasoning behind that. And what they kind of said was a, a glimpse of, oh, well, human error. But that's not good enough. You know, there's, there's many jobs where you can't have human error. If you're a pilot for a big commercial Boeing 747 plane, 
you can't have a you can't have a human error with something like that because you have the lives of so many people in your hands you know and that's just not good enough so to conclude that point i don't think that it was satisfactory but i think it was to be expected and this the way that they strategically placed this literally minutes before qualifying i think they knew that you know they would post this people wouldn't be happy but then people would be distracted by the qualifying session and that uh, you know ultimately we just be left where we be- where, where we began to begin with so there's my thoughts on that and then with alfa romeo yeah you have to give them a lot of uh, credit for how they performed in the first week both cars getting into the points which <clears throat> couldn't be said the same for repu but we move um <laughs> just in relation to them yeah you have to say it's a feel good factor for them uh you could hear the emotion in in um joe guan yu's voice for him to get that because he had so much pressure on him he's the first chinese driver in sport as we know a lot of people would have been ready just there to brandish him as a pay driver and to me i think it's the reverse it's a driver that maybe deserves to be paid because of his performance there he you know he outperformed a lot of uh, drivers that have more credential and experience than him and drove a cool and collective race nice as well to see bottas there you know um like waving to lewis and just that camaraderie there no lost love between them but to answer your question on the technical grounds yeah i think alfa romeo have a solid car but where I don't want to get too excited with them is that we know that the results yesterday were somewhat circumstantial and the 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 biggest symptom that smaller teams like Alfa Romeo face is that they come to the start of the season with a really good package and then they struggle to find a direction to develop the car to sustain the performance and advantage they have over the other team so they can't get complacent they have to continue pushing and it will be in their own interest to do that because we know that the higher a team finishes in the constructors championship the more prize money they get at the end of the season which will help them to further the car in the future as well along with attract sponsors and help the team be sustainable jay yeah i i i concur really i, I don't have an awful lot to add other than just it's it's very it was very nice to see um bottas qualify as well as he did um showing that that was that's a strength of his and and giving some sort of context to um how things have been with with him versus lewis for the time in the uh, they were teammates at mercedes um saying that he also showed that on the start of the race um perhaps not as racy and as uh, brave maybe um, to hold position but but in the end with the retirements and everything else he, he, made, he finished sixth and um yeah like we say both both cars in the points it's yeah it's all about now just making the most of it whilst the uh especially the mercedes power cars are going to try and catch up with their developments and uh speaking about the paid driver i think the issue when when it comes to uh jogunyo was um why he got the seat as a paid driver the champion of the f2 uh who is um oscar piastri he didn't get a seat for f1 so uh most of the people were furious because of that because the guy who is a champion didn't get a seat and the guy who was not the champion i think uh uh um Yu placed third if i'm not wrong on uh, f2 um got a pace uh, got a seat by paying so that was the issue for hating the chinese driver when it comes for the paying paying part i think that 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 played a huge role i guess um yeah 
Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say it's never it's never good when you see a champion <laughs> not get a seat because of because exactly. of money. You you would think that he would be able to get the backing for a star because obviously the um, the the ability is there. Um, however, this seems to be the way of the sport, and it seems all the time. You, you end up with drivers taking a seat that they perhaps don't deserve over someone else. The the one that I remember being quite angry about was when um, Lance Stroll takes yeah. uh, Sergio Perez's seat away. Um, they tried to sort of spin it as well. Vettel's coming in and he's obviously going to instead of uh, Sergio Perez. And you think, well, it's not about that though, is it? It's about nepotism yeah. and Lance Stroll having a seat that he's not, but what can you do? It's part of, it's part of the sport. It's, it's always going to be part of the sport. Karma, I think when we when we speak about karma, yesterday the karma was uh, trending. But um, I'm going to tell I'm going to talk about karma because uh, Kevin Magnussen, uh, I think he was kicked because of the contract with Nikita Mazepin, and then he got kicked out, and then Kevin came back, and Haas is on the third place for the constructors' championship. So. That, that that was a mistake that they did earlier and then here we are with the results well Georgino I could say that this this is the real L plan none of that Fernando Alonso business at LP. <laughs> this is the L plan you know because maybe maybe you never know maybe there's a conspiracy that uh, Gunter knew that has needed an injection of money so maybe he just said to K-Mag you know listen my bro just take a year out of the sport, you know, go and have a baby, just go and enjoy life for a bit. In the meantime, we're going to get this crazy Russian guy and his father to inject some money into our cause. And then, you know, you, you never know, we'll find any excuse we can to just like basically dump him before the start of the new regulations. And then, boom, we're going to give you a car that's even better than the one that you had when you were in the sport. And then you're going to come back and do the absolute madness. So, absolutely. And this on the pay driver thing as well. Yeah, it, it's tough because there really is like a, a fine art balance with that. And whilst I do feel really sorry for Oscar Piastri, it probably is because of his ties with Alpine because he is an Alpine Academy driver. So ultimately it'd be Alpine that would be looking to find a seat for him. The issue that Alpine have is that they're the only manufacturer on the grid where they don't have more than one team. Mercedes obviously supply themselves and three other teams. Honda in the background, Red Bull supply themselves and obviously AlphaTauri and Ferrari obviously supply um, themselves and then Haas and Alfa Romeo. So maybe if there was a second team, if Renault or Alpine were willing to make that investment, there'd be a space there for Oscar. And then secondly of all as well, people I think should put more pressure on Alonso too because it's people like Alonso that have complained about Formula 1 for a long time, complained about Lewis, said that the sport was becoming too boring and predictable. He was the one behind the campaign for basically these new cars and in the first race of the season he gets absolutely demolished by his younger teammate Esteban Ocon in a car that was less superior because I want you guys to remember as well the Alpine had um, well Ocon more specifically had damage to his side pod um, on the first day of practice on Friday meaning he had to revert to old spec side pod which was potentially slower than Alonso and he still managed to beat Alonso even with a five second penalty as well so people need to put pressure on the older drivers like Alonso too that have a lot of clout and a lot of things to say but they don't have enough money to bank the check on the track 
you know and if he can't do that then I think his space should be given to somebody like Oscar Piastri as well what are your takes on the pit stop strategies that Red Bull Mercedes and Ferrari used Uh, I'll, I'll go for this one then. Yeah. We, we we had a range because ultimately it was Mercedes actually pulled the trigger when they brought Lewis in for the hard tyres to try the undercut. But um, I believe we were using the hardest compounds that exist. So that's the C1 tyre. That's the hardest Pirelli they make, Georgina. So with that, unfortunately, when Lewis came out, you couldn't get the temperature in them because they're so hard. Like if you have a really hard block of cheese and you put it in the microwave, it's obviously going to take longer to melt than it would the softer cheese. like you would with a softer compound attire love my cheese analogy there go halloumi cheese as well but to bring it back yeah you, you had mercedes basically try to go on a hard tire maybe to do a one stop but unfortunately the performance just wasn't there with the tire it was too slow you then obviously had um max go on to some brand new soft tires and leclerc do the invert strategy so he went on to some use soft tires and we saw the undercut bring max a lot closer to leclerc than we had initially thought but again um leclerc just had max in his back pocket you know like um maybe a wallet so he just seemed to kind of deal with the pressure quite well red bull again said okay cool we'll do the undercut again and this is where we saw max start to have a bit of um, an explosion on the radio because the team had specifically told him they were going to try and stick to the two-stop and essentially with tires the most damage that is done to a tire georgina is in the first like couple of laps with the tire when it's brand new when it's shiny and all spanky clean that is when you could really destroy the tire in the opening laps of its life so um they were telling max listen think about the long plan here you need to try and do a two-stop and max being as ignorant and you know as hot-headed as he is he said no leave me alone i know what i'm doing don't tell me what to do i'm never ever listening to you guys again i went slow on the outlap with these tires and it didn't put me any closer to leclerc so you know that put them on the back foot and then we saw red bull they're really desperate to try and win that race and try and be the ones leading the championship so they took a gamble with a free stop and this is arguably where max's steering got damaged maybe with the way they dropped the car off the jacks But ultimately as well it just seemed that ferrari were just cool measured composed which we love to see from ferrari because we meme them quite a lot for having the master plan <laughs> as we always talk about and spinala and all these other memes but it just seemed that whatever red bull could do ferrari could do better and that was the case so um we saw a lot of different strategies there and it was interesting to see how they were going about racing with this new 18 inch tire okay so last question for both of you what are your predictions for saudi jeddah this coming week <laughs> um, <laughs> i i oh, i don't know i don't think mercedes are really going to be any any quicker on on one hand it's a it's a street track but on the other hand it is very quick so i think again they're probably looking at fifth and sixth um whilst the whilst it comes down Ferrari at the front i i do think that um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if red bull get on top of their issue uh, and whether or not the issue happens again i i, I predict a safety car at least one safety car and if their um if their fuel and their engine and the rest of it doesn't cope with a long period of time um 
at slow speed waiting for accidents to be cleared up then um yeah then maybe they're gonna double dnf again and that would be i i don't think twitter could cope with it i don't think i could cope with it <laughs> um it would i don't know how much more i could gloat in that situation compared to how much <laughs> i've been gloating um over the last day so yeah <laughs> denzel your take yeah um similar to jay's there as well i think mercedes are going to be doing a lot of uh finding like data analysis and findings and um whilst i wouldn't write them off i'm not gonna like sit here ignorantly and say you know like p1 p2 dominance i think they're really gonna have to dig deep but anything is possible with mercedes and still we rise so i love that motto and i think we should go with that mantra but realistically yeah you've got to say that it's really between red bull and ferrari as jay correctly alluded red bull are gonna have to get to the bottom of these fuel system issues that they're having because you know it's not good enough and i think the world literally it's funny that you know the the the, the company is called red bull but the drink the drinks are not giving them too much energy on the track man i don't know what's happening there but you know the wings man they are clipping the wings exactly <laughs> the wings are looking quite fraudulent but uh yeah i mean to be fair to red bull the car looked quite slippy in a straight line and when Max did have the DRS on Leclerc, he was able to, you know, like follow him quite closely. So I'd expect them to be strong there. You also have to say that Horner used to like gloat about Max being quite strong and he gloated last year saying that Max was brilliant in the technical parts of Jeddah and uh, how he drove the, the brilliant lap, the lap that he never completed. So I'm going to put all the pressure on Red Bull to come back swinging this week because if they don't, that's going to be a big dent in the championship fight with, um, you know, the contenders. But obviously, big respect to Ferrari as well. And I hope that they continue to go with this measured, calculated, intelligent way of driving. And we're going to see battles. But as, as Jay mentioned as well, it's a street circuit. It's very unforgiving. You make any mistake there, you're going straight to the scene of the accident. So you might see many safety cars. And then it will be interesting to see how that works out. And also... This is the first street circuit we're going to be driving on with these new cars. So how would the new cars uh, fare around a street circuit that's maybe a bit more unconventional, more bumps, more narrow? How is that going to affect the racing? So lots of unknowns and an unknown quantity, but we're very excited to see. Thank you so much, guys, for your time and joining this podcast. And I hope you guys join more and more episodes while the season is going crazy and wild and hopefully more DNF. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining Jay and Denzil thank you thank you so much and as usual we will be coming back with another episode for F1 series on Saturday with Bryson uh, hopefully hopefully <laughs> um, after the qualifying on Saturday uh, we will be doing a podcast with Bryson so you will be having a lot of questions to ask so um, thank you so much guys for joining in and this is Georgina Dona signing off from stripping the dipping with much love. Mwah.